What makes a killer? Is it nature or nurture? Not until Jack the Ripper and H.H. Holmes did the public even recognize the proclivity to kill in mass. We know it must have been a psychological need to kill throughout history, but only in modern times has the human race begun to study and tear apart the psychology. Our questions today, does culture and nurture change the way in which people kill? And more. Linda Sage is an expert on the psychology of serial killers and joins us today. Linda, are, where are you at today? Oh, great to be with you. I'm actually uh, in Spain at the moment, in the Costa um, Blanca. So about halfway, just over halfway down the Spanish uh, eastern coast. Cool. I've never been out of the country. I haven't either, but always wanted to go to England, to be honest. And as you can tell by the the accent, yes, I'm from the other side of the pond. My home normally is in England. Well, you're halfway. You're you're a quarter of the way through the pond. We're on the other side of the pond. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us a little bit about how you got into criminal psychology. I mean, that just totally like blows my mind. I'm thinking, do you have to go to to get a degree? What kind of training do you get? I've always wanted to know the answer to that question. Well, we're going back a long way here because I've been um, qualified over 40 years. So when you think about going back that far, it wasn't really um, that well thought of. And I was the first person in my family to go to university and my father was over the moon he was thinking oh we've got a doctor or you know a lawyer coming in the fa- uh, the family and when I went to the university open day I had no idea really what I wanted to go and do and I was speaking to some different people there and this one professor said before you do anything go and listen to this lecture and I went and listened to the lecture and it was just like all these light bulbs were popping on and it was superb and I thought right that's it and that was psychology. Up to then, I'd never even entertained it. I didn't even know what it was. And when I went home, so happy to tell my parents what I'd signed up for, uh, my dad actually didn't speak to me for three weeks. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, because according to him, psychology were, or sociology were um, degrees that you did if you couldn't do a proper degree. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Well, you know, and, and there's. I hate to say it, but there's a little bit of truth to that because I went to college or university, as you put it, uh, to for a psychology degree myself. Uh, I didn't finish. Keep that in mind. But uh, the like the first class I had, he was explaining about about um, uh, schizophrenia, and he was saying, and I couldn't believe it that, and this is in the early 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 nineties. He said that they threw anything they didn't understand couldn't have a label for it and it's just schizophrenia and i'm like what the heck is that about yeah yeah so much so so much is not being understood and we still don't understand we're still we're still doing lots of research and things going on you know all through all through my lifetime and i'm sure it's going to go on a lot longer but um we're, we're still learning about and society changes and life changes as well yeah so I mean, when I first went to university, I went to the University of Kent in Canterbury because then we used to go to universities closer to home. We didn't always tend to go f- that far away. We'd go to campuses near, near home. And um, 
I didn't start off to get into criminal psychology. I mean, it actually fell in after a while because, like most people, you end uh, you end uh, start off working with victims or you start off working uh, through through doctors or counselling and things like this. And it, a friend of mine was working for the probation and had going into prison on remand. It was actually a murder charge, and said, "Oh, would you go and visit this?" Now you couldn't even imagine doing it. You know, you wouldn't get a student going in to do, <laughs> in, let alone into a prison, you know, an A category prison. Especially yeah. a female student. I mean, you yeah, know, that's so, and, that seems a little bit dangerous. Well, when I was in nursing school, we went to the state hospital in Michigan, but that was only because to do psych nursing. But that was only because there wasn't a whole lot of options for us to do clinicals in. So. But um, I, I don't think it's so much for the women because I think some, some yeah, there wasn't that women that many females then going through. But also, I mean, just security wise, you wouldn't go, be able to just go into a present with a letter from a university or a letter from a, you know, the probation. Now, now the security measures are, are so much different. Yeah. But, um, so. I was lucky in the respect that in those times we could get referred to go into the prisons. And this is where I started working, like with the MERS murderers and you know, people like this that people would normally never have any ex- access to. But it, it was just a, a completely different world then. You know? So one thing that I like to do at the beginning, and most people do it at the end, but I like to do it more towards the beginning, is that you do you have any publications uh, out and in your website, of course. And what what are you? What are your? What are what is your generating of income these days for for your uh, your current? I guess I don't know. I'm I'm sitting here spinning my wheels, but whatever. <laughs> I think you know where I'm going. No, actually, to be honest, this is just just changed because I actually uh, came out of the prison in um, the end of July. So uh, I actually officially stopped working in the prison. So I keep getting asked to go back. Let's clarify um, so, for our American listeners. When you say you got out of prison. <laughs> yeah, I've been in and out of prison. <laughs> most of my- you were working <laughs> in the prison. They- <laughs> I was like, luckily they always give me the keys. Yes. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> Yeah, we were. I was like, wait, what? So I think, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the vernacular yeah. so is just a I touch to, different. That's all. <laughs> yeah. So I'll be, I'll be working in prison most of my adult life. Um, I officially finished in July, but um, I still do some work in and out. But literally, I've been doing a lot more lecturing, guest lecturing in universities. I've got my own set of talks that I've now started, nice. uh, Serial Killers and Psychopaths. And then the second one that was launched was Women and Children Who Kill. And there will be more coming up in those series. And then I'm working on a book now, which will be out, hopefully, your fall autumn time so that'll be um uh, talking to killers the the previous one i had out was caring for the caregiver so it's about the mentality of people that care for others about caring for yourself okay so now one thing i'm curious do you 
Have you uh, delved into the American version of serial killers? Uh, uh, Somerset is interesting because my actual my next uh, lecture I've got coming up as a guest lecturer on the thirteenth of the month. I'm at, I don't know if you've heard of Dennis Nielsen. I was talking to some I was doing uh, some networking the other day with an American networking group, and they'd never heard of Dennis Nielsen. But yeah. he is our equivalent of uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh. So I'm actually doing a, a talk on. Uh, the the similarities of the two. Okay. Because that's what I was wondering. I was thinking about this. It's kind of uh, running the ideas through my head. I'm like, what what are the differences? Because I'm, I imagine there's a big difference. For for example, we have like I-95 killer in the highway, and, and we have truck drivers that drive two 3,000 miles in one trip. They go from New York to L.A. or something like that. That's like 2,000 miles. Mm-hmm. And along the way, these guys would kill people and no one could ever figure Mm -hmm. out who was doing it. And it made sense why they couldn't figure out who was doing it, because there's no link and they're gone. Um, You know, we had a guy in the 70s, I think it was. He was a truck stop killer. He would get on the radio and call for the uh, the what we what we affectionately call lot lizards in the United States, uh, which is prostitutes who Mm -hmm. work the truck stops. And. um he would get them in the truck and kill them. And no one could ever figure out who did it. And, and so now we've got, actually got a task force that uh, all they do from the FBI, all they do is work on killings on the highway system. And because there's yeah. a whole subset of killers there that no one, no one's really delved into because it's always been local PD and, you know, state, state police. Yeah. I mean, we had that. Obviously, Pete, uh, Peter Sutcliffe, he's the one that comes to mind straight away because he was he was a, a, a truck driver. And uh, Peter Tobin, who's actually in the news at the moment because he's on his deathbed, so he's uh, dying of cancer at the moment. They're two of our pro- uh, quite prolific killers, so the Yorkshire Ripper, obviously, oh. that was Peter Sutcliffe. I did watch something, obviously, on Netflix on that man. It was They called it the – yeah, he was kind of like the – Jack, like a serial killer of, I don't know, of big time in England. It was quite interesting. Peter yeah. Tobin, that name does sound familiar. Well, it's interesting yeah. because true crime in America is, and the podcast space, is extremely popular. And it's mm-hmm. always about United States serial killers or maybe Canadians or a Mexican one every now and again, just because they border the United States. Uh, but we never hear about the stuff that happens in Europe or England. Other than Jack the Ripper, which everyone knows well, about. Yeah, but that's so long ago. I mean, it's more of lore uh, at this point. Mind you, yeah, there's lots of uh, things going on with uh, still investigating with uh, Jack the Ripper because uh, a lot of the theories are that it was actually a woman. I heard that theory, how she was a midwife and could easily yeah. get in and out of that area. It makes Makes sense. It's a good theory. Well, but so does H.H. H. Holmes. He also makes sense that it could be the same guy. I mean. Well, people, what, the DNA testing on a shawl that one of the victims had, I think I read. True crime is something I've always enjoyed. So I'm definitely going to take a look out for your lectures because I would so love to sign up for them if they were ever on a web format. For yeah. Obviously, I can't hop on a plane to England, but I would so love to listen to your you lectures. You can, but it just would be very, you know, you'd have a lot of other problems. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that that's uh, that that's on the way. But I think you know it's a. Uh, 
I'm just getting started. I've actually got a webinar starting also on um, corporate psychopaths because a lot of people think that psychopaths are only axe murderers or serial killers. Yeah. They are not. There's lots and lots in the, the boardrooms and CEOs and uh, leadership. Hyper-aggressive men. I've heard Absolutely. that. And so what characteristics do these people have or do you not want to give it away and wait for your, your lecture to come out? Yeah, no, no. I mean, you know, a lot of the traits that you think of that are highly desirable in leaders are very often merged for the traits of the psychopath. But the the veneer of a psychopath, the psychopath traits are numerous. Yeah. Uh, and they're very chameleon-like. So they're normally the people, you know, they're, they're generally quite attractive, that people feel at ease talking to them, but they will only they will follow the power. They like being in power. They like people to, to look up to them. If they are somebody that's important to them, they will be that person for them. If it's somebody that they don't value, they will be very rude and very cutting. Wow. You know? And their, their ruthlessness, often they're seen as, oh, they can make decisive decisions in leadership and things like that. Yes, but, but they are literally, they are ruthless. And so many people that are in relationships with them, with the narcissistic personality, get very badly hurt. I, uh, you know, if you're going to war, that's probably the best person to have as your general, to be honest. I think Patton might have been a little bit of, of a... He was at least a sociopath. Yeah, as, as, as long as you know, they, you've got somebody perhaps on, on the second rung that's looking after the actual well-being of, of the, the general soldiers because they will make the decisions in warfare but not necessarily worry about the numbers or the, you know, the injuries that will come with that strategic movement. Well, you know, our famous general that was just – balls to the wall and just had, you know, took no prisoners as Patton during World mm -hmm. War II. Um, and, I, you know, Montgomery was the other general that was also – those guys fought constantly because I guess Montgomery had quite a, quite a personality, didn't he? Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And uh, I was – you know, I wonder – it makes you wonder. It just kind of hit me as you were talking when you talk about CEOs that, you know, these guys existed in our militaries as well. I think Grant was just kind of weird, but anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. They, they exist everywhere. They're, they're all, you know, even Dharma and Nielsen, etc. Somebody's next door neighbor, somebody's coworker. So they exist everywhere. Yeah. So what is the? It, 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 but just because they exist doesn't mean that they're bad people. Um, they usually. I'll say. I yeah. Sorry. I guess what I'm trying to I guess what he's trying to say is like, you know, you can have narcissistic tendencies maybe in your life, but what makes you cross the line of being like a, a hyper assertive person to a person that's going to like, you know, chop up your family or your neighbors. That choice. Choice. So choice. that choice, do you think it's like morality or just something that they've. I mean, they. There's developmental signs of, of um, interest and red flags that come up. But uh, like we start, when you started off the program, you said about nature and nurture. You know, that's still a huge question. Every university that's involved with the, the, the social sciences is still doing research, and it's been doing it for the last, you know, 
50, 60 years at least. And there's no concrete answer because there's a, a lot of people that get abused um, and don't necessarily go on to be criminal abusers. But nine times out of ten, they've either got an addictive personality, they self-harm, um, they uh, the drugs or the alcohol or something like this are, are within their personality traits. So there, there is a line and we, even within the, the, the killers, you know, especially like for Dharma and, and Nielsen, their ones was their loneliness. Because they were isolated, you know, they, 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 they didn't fit in well with other people. So especially if people are on the autistic spectrum, there's that social aspect as well that if they feel like they're outcasts, that it's a way of keeping people with them. I mean, it, it's not a usual way, obviously. Yeah, then, obviously uh, keeping parts in your freezer is not the usual way. Well, you know, I mean, you can go talk to it anytime you want. Oh, gosh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean... That, that, that was the big difference between um, Delma and Nielsen because Delma got a lot of sexual gratification. Um, I mean, this is a bit blunt, but he got the, okay. a lot of sexual gratification when his hands were actually with inside the body and with the organs. And this is like when he was, you know, cannibalizing the, 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 the corpses. Whereas Nielsen um, um, decapitated and sort of brutalized the bodies as a means of getting rid of the body. So there was a, there was a big, dif- the, that big difference there. It, uh, his was he kept the bodies whole and he had them um, in the living room or in the dining room and he would uh, interact with them as a partner, even though obviously they were dead. Oh, wow. So the, the sexual fantasies were still there for both of them, but the, the reason of... You know, uh, dismembering the bodies and things like this was for different reasons. So I've heard that the classic warning signs, it's called something triad. I can't remember the first part of it, but like bedwetting, fire setting, and mutilation of I animals. Think most of that's been disproven. Though. Hasn't it been disproven? But is there any hint I mean, to maybe, because uh, to me, kids wet the bed up until a period of time, you know, fire starting. Okay. Do you define a kid just playing around and curious or someone who's seriously wanting to hurt somebody? Animal thing that I think hands down that kind of explains itself, but but then again, I think is it's like I think it's a bit like the autistic spectrum. Not what each person has come up with the same thing. There's different things that show when you put them together, and I think this is where um, people have to talk. So, like the parents, the medical, the education you know, is really important, you know, and the justice system that people talk together because they get different views of a person or a child, grow, you know, going through because they could be you know, one type of person in the home, they could be a different type of person outside the home. Makes so, sense. I, yeah, it's a sweeping statement because it's not completely true, but traumas within childhood do affect mentality and development into adulthood. We had but one then, serial killer. I can't remember his name offhand. I, I, I knew it like a day ago. It's just one of those brain farts. Um, but he was raised normal, and yes. his family was nice and kind. He okay grades he had girlfriend and then all of a sudden he just started killing people so not necessarily do you see the traits i think from a a mother you know you want 
your children to get help if they need it. You want to keep them from trauma. And unfortunately, sometimes situations happen. But I guess for me, I would want to know, okay, if my kid is kind of acting like this, I don't want to be, you know, the mother of a serial killer. So I, <laughs> what do I do to kind of help? Obviously, counseling and therapy, getting them to talk. But I guess sometimes people just, whatever is in their personality, they just snap for that reason. Uh, as I said, it was a sweeping statement, and there are some of the killers. We've had killers that yeah, come from good family backgrounds and things like this. So there, there is this is the whole point. There's no one blueprint that because you've said you are going to be a serial killer. It doesn't come out like that. But the, the thing is, as well, do the parents actually want to see it? When you actually look back through... Uh, stories of people. It's very easy to say about when somebody is already caught, yeah. right? Because yeah. then you can look back and think, oh, yeah, that was a sign, that was a sign. But at the time, do the people actually want to see those signs? Do yeah. they acknowledge yeah. you? Know, you're saying, well, if that was my child, I don't want to be the parent of the serial killer. But the people that are that there... Did they see those signs? Did they acknowledge them? Did they accept them? Well, there's a saying in the United States. I don't know if it's something that transfers to uh, England, but um, you know, it, it we, you know, I got to get more sleep at night. I'm sitting here thinking, it's like I just completely forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I think what he's trying to say is like you're right. Parents probably in the middle of that don't oh. see it or don't want to see it. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, just because you can put it together because it makes logical sense once you know the outcome. But if you don't know the outcome, I mean, just because somebody's acting up doesn't mean that they're disturbed. It could mean that they're just not, you know, well versed in what it is to be a human yet. And yeah. they're getting there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah unfortunately, you know, and, and now society is getting much more isolated i mean you know, th this is great you know you're one side of the world on the other side of the world and we can we can talk freely and for free yeah. which is incredible you know if we'd said this to our you know grandparents they would have thought we were you know doolally but, <laughs> space aliens from the future yeah exactly so i mean but also it has the other side of effect you know you don't see the kids out running around and playing outside you know they their social interaction and, and definitely in the uk we are seeing a huge rise in young um violent crime knife crime in particular yeah. um within within our young people well because it's the same here we're, we're experiencing the same thing our uptick of violent crime is also uh, it is also um, very noticeable when you do the statistics. So it's happening over here as well. Yeah. Now, I, you know, again, I, our, our first real young killer uh, was Mary Bell back in the, the 60s. But uh, going back to pre that, when we were talking about Jack the River, I mean, there was a female um, serial killers then. But because society was run by men, of people, women were thought to be not intelligent enough to kill or to be serial killers and things like this. So that's why a lot of the pre-World War One serial killers, female ones, were poisoners because it was the easiest yeah. way of, and it was usually for money. It was usually, you know, if uh, for them to move on to, to have a better life yeah. or to gain financially. 
Um, through the 20s and 30s, you don't see so many serial killers. After the Second World War, then you tend to see that things start revolving again. But the women, because they've been in more masculine environments, the killings are, are different then. They become more more manual yeah. as well, is where well, we get more. And in the United States, we've seen an uptick of female incarceration. It used to be mm-hmm. like 30 to 1, 30 men for every one woman, some crazy number like that. And now it's it's yeah. it's going down. There's more violent crimes being committed by women than before. And, and you know, it's, it, we, I really, there's a whole lot of stuff you could talk about, the psychology in it, but I don't think anybody actually understands it well enough to, 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 yeah. to, you know, write a you know write a white paper on it and get it peer reviewed. And uh, and a female prison is always more volatile than a, a male prison. Really? Because if if a male goes to, to to into prison, it's always assumed that the female, whether the wife or the girlfriend, will carry on with the um, family unit. Whereas if a woman goes into prison, nine times out of ten, the man doesn't have the ability to keep the family t- uh, unit together. So there's all, all the background, where, you know, about the children, about the home, about everything else. So the tension in a female prison is always higher than a, than a male prison. That makes sense, but I never would have thought of that. But that makes perfect sense. So Mary Bell. Wait, who is this? I, I'm like, who's this? <laughs> she, she was a 10-year-old and she, uh, she killed two young boys. But again, at the time, um, they didn't think a child could mur- was capable of murder. So she was never um, uh, convicted of murder. She was convicted of manslaughter with diminished responsibility because they always thought a child would not kill. So it was. Um, Did she kill when she got out? No, she she she's um, she did she served twelve years. She got out. She has married. She's had a daughter, and she went back because she, she had her identity changed. Yeah. And she uh, when she had a daughter, her daughter was eleven before she knew about her mother. She found out in the newspaper, oh, no. and then. So she went back and had her identity changed again, but she had it covered for her daughter. And then when she had a granddaughter, she's been back and had the identity of the granddaughter protected as well. So, but so she's, she's never reoffended. No, not as far as I know. No, no. they got right, not in the court system anyway. No, no, wow. she's never been back in inside again. What was the what, what? What was her reasoning for killing those two kids? She strangled them. Right. Yeah, but. Uh, she, she just said both of them had sore throats and she, she strangled them. I, there, there's never been a huge amount of investigation done because, as I say, at the time, yeah. I think a lot of the, the, the whole system was like in denial because children don't kill. Yeah, it's like, yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's, it's, it, that, that's still in the system today. I think you know, a female gets up for a crime that's generally a male crime it's it's like we have in America. Sometimes we have uh, female teachers who sleep with their students, mm-hmm. and they generally get thirty to forty percent less jail time than their male counterpart. Seriously? Yes, it's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, women do tend to get less. I could get the numbers we, wrong, but it's there. Yeah, I think uh, you know uh, there. Uh, uh, per- Perhaps the same. I mean, definitely in the UK, you know, 
our women's prison were very limited spaces. This is what we are, we've only had three life termers, uh, life tariffs given to, to women. I mean, in the whole of our history. Wow. And that, that's um, Myra Henley, Rose West, and Joanna Donahue. They must have done yeah. something really bad. Myra Henley, that name sounds very familiar. Moore's Murderers. Ah. Yeah. Myra Henley and Brady. Ah, yes, yes, yes. I remember that. Yes. I listening to that case, and that was just, I just totally blew my mind how somebody would just follow along with somebody and think it's okay. Manson. Well, yeah, Manson and over here. That's true. Yeah, it just totally no, blows my mind. Very, very, very different. In my experience working with both of them, I think um, Myra Henley was very much, uh, without a doubt, Ian Brady was the leader to begin with. But, you know, to me, it was very much like the pupil overtakes the teacher. Wow. Really? Yeah. Wow. So if, yeah. have have you done a lot of study into American serial killers? I'm sure you have. Some, some uh, yeah, I've, because obviously you know, we, we look at uh, similarities and things between, but um, my, my, obviously my knowledge is, is far greater. My hands-on knowledge is all with the, oh, yeah. the UK and the Brits. What, what would well, you no, think first. the major – the since you've, you, you've done not only serial killers but other types of inmates – uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can can you elaborate sex, on sex. that? All, all the all of the ones I've never worked on. We have a, a four category prison system here. We have like the A cat, which is like your supermax, the the B, the C, and the D. So the A and the Bs are usually all the most violent and long termers. If it's like cyber fraud or something like that, or um, something less, then Insurance you go fraud. down. Yeah, things like that. You go down into the, the the lower categories. So my work time has always been with the A and the B cat prisoners. Okay, so it's always been murderers and and rapists and things like that. Sex offenders, yeah. Yeah. So I'm just I'm really curious as to what have you found anything that ties uh, that that seems to be a common thread amongst maybe seventy or eighty percent of the people you've interviewed. You can find ties if you're looking for them. Like we said before about the childhoods, right. about the upbringing, you know, uh, people said all oh, about star signs and things like this. But, you know, we're talking about a cross-cut of the, the population, basically. You know, you have intelligent killers and you have very uneducated yeah. killers. You have, you know, young people, you have older people, so it's it's cut across society. I think that we have a, a, a representation. I mean, serial killers here are less than one percent of the population. Which, thankfully, right. I know in the states, you know, you, you do have more, but your population is much bigger too. Yeah, so, yeah, we have three hundred and fifty million people. Yeah, so probably it's representative of your size of your population as well. I would imagine it. I would imagine it is. It's like people say, oh, the big cities are so dangerous. Well, the, the, it doesn't – so is the farm town, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> and that's just because you're really just dealing with averages and numbers at that point. If, if you meet a 1,000 people, at least one of them is going to be somebody who has participated in or been next to someone who's been in a murder. 
yeah. I mean, you know, it's like people say to me, I get asked a lot about, oh, you know, how does it feel being sat with them in a room? Well, you know, when you're in a prison, these people have already been caught, right? So you know what they've done, you know who they are, you know what they're capable of. Yeah, and no obviously, and we've got systems in place. Whereas when you're in a supermarket or in, you're in a bus queue, who's the person next to you? But that doesn't mean that everybody you meet is going to be a bad person. We're talking about no. one out of a thousand, generally. Yeah. But I know, I know more about the person that I'm in the room with than I know about the person who stands next to me in the supermarket. Exactly. So when you're helping, do you, like, counsel these people in prison? Or do you, like, wh- what do you do exactly? Do you, like... I guess I picture them sitting on a couch and you're talking to them. I mean, that's I doubt that. I doubt that, but I'm just thinking, like, exactly. Do you interview just for information, for knowledge, or do you try to it, help it them? Yeah, it, it depends what we're what we're uh, we're actually working for. Yeah, whether I'm looking at um, doing the the assessment for court or um, for sentencing, or if it's while they're in prison, then they will go through different types of um, course courses. If they've got addictions and things like this, then and also again talking to them, studying them, getting to know more of what they've. About them, about what they've done. You know, if there's anything else that comes out, because quite often there's other 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 crimes that have been committed, and you know, or if they're coming up for parole or they've got a parole hearing and things like this. So it could it could be a variety of right across the board, and also within prisons, I'm sure there. Uh, also, you get a lot of violence within prisons, so you're dealing with. You know, attempted suicide, suicides, you know, attacks, murders within Fake the prisons suicides. as well. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. So is there any of these people, like you said, in prisons A and B, have they ever been out on parole? Well, sure. Imagine they would be. I mean, I don't know how it oh, works yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, I mean. To me, I'm thinking like here, a serial killer, like you're, you're staying in prison forever, you know, or someone who's committed yeah. like major crimes like that, I guess. To us, we just hear about the bad guys and they stay in prison for life or oh, there's some people to get out. That's a scary part. Yeah, your, your system are on, uh, is a little bit different because obviously you've got states where you've got your death penalty. We don't have that here at all now. Right. Uh, that was that was created uh, in, in, in 65 because Myra Hinley and Ian Brady, uh, the death penalty went while they were on remand. Otherwise, I think they probably would have been put, you know, yeah, uh, it's cheaper to have a thirty-five caliber bullet than it is a, you know, life in prison. Yeah, I guess it's kind yeah. of disturbing <laughs> to think about some of these people. Like, do you think they ever will get better or change their ways? I mean, obviously the little ten-year-old girl Mary Bell did, but do the most part, to most of them, this is just who they are, and it's better we keep them locked up, or can you even rehabilitate these people? Again, it's like anything else. If somebody wants to change, they will change. If you're wanting them to change, they've got to change. You know, um, our life tariff, I mean, yeah, it now means full life tariff. So that means that they they won't get out. Okay. But that we've got we've got about I think there's about eighty prisoners on full life tariff now in the UK. out of 82,000 odd prisoners. Yeah. Wow. You only have 82,000 prisoners in the UK? Yeah, out of the whole, all the categories, yes. Wow. wow. We've got yeah. 
way more than that. I guess that's why it's so baffling to us when you say like 80 people that are live tariff. For us, it's kind of like... We got 80 people in Arkansas. Probably, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's totally, I guess, mind-blowing for us, just the differences in our judicial system, which is interesting, but so like, whoa, wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're, we're getting lots of... Uh, I mean, the tariffs have gone up because obviously with us, um, knife crime has grown, um, but... Um, gun crime as uh, as well, particularly through the youngsters. I mean, gun crime here was not prevalent. It wasn't like uh, for yourselves. We we did, it was, you know, when you talk about the craze or when you talk about, you know, some, some not- notorious people, you think about gun crime, but that now has, has picked up quite considerably. It's quite easy for, for people now to get their hands on um, guns, which, uh, again, because that majority of our police force are not armed. Right. Yeah, that's why I was kind of like, whoa, interesting, because that's a different concept. Well, it, you know, it's it's interesting, too, when you – we, we here in the United States, everybody complains about gun crime, gun crime, gun crime, and it really is not that – if you do the statistics on it, if you can get your brain, your emotions out of the way and, and look at the statistics, when you consider we have probably 800 million weapons in the United States, it's a minuscule amount of people. that. And I know we got school shootings and stuff like that. I'm excluding those from this example just for the keep the shock value down. But, you know, some dude shooting another dude. I mean, we got 800 million firearms and increasing every day. And yet... You know, our crime rate may be a little bit larger than the U.K. Uh, per capita, but, you know, yeah. it's still not that much different. No. I, I, I think, you know, when you look back at history, I mean, our crime usually was like bank robbery or diamond heist or something like yeah. this. They'd, they'd use shotguns or sawn-off uh, shotguns or something like this. Uh, it wasn't that usual for, for the handguns and things like this. Um, that's been more of a, a modern inner city phenomena yeah. than you know, anything else. Detroit still experiences uh, tons of gun crime and the guns are illegal there. New York City has been doing really well. We did an interview with a New York City uh, police officer that just released today and as we're ta- today we're talking to you and the murder rate in New York City in 2021 was 398 people. Out of seven and a half million people, just 398 people were murdered. That's insane. I didn't really, but if you go back to 1980, it was like 3,900 people. Yeah. So yeah. I think things are getting better. They're not worse, but contrary to the, to the media that we see every day, you know, we, all they ever do is cover blood and guts. You know, well, the, the media have a lot of hand in this because they tend to to psych up um, these people. They make them into phenomena. And I'm, I must admit, you know, from my experience working in prisons, you, you get the you know, the sex offenders, you get the the notorious killers and things like this, and they get bags of mail, they get fan mail, yeah. and it's just like, you know, there is nothing to be a fan about here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, I got a question about that. That that leads me to a question. Um, In the United States, 
we have this weird thing that happens when somebody is a mass murder serial killer. All of a sudden, they find, I mean, this is notoriously Bundy. All of a sudden, there's a woman that comes up out of the woodwork, and he's never met her before, but yet they get married while he's in prison because they met while he was in prison. Does that happen in the U.K.? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, again, not, not as many times uh, as there, because obviously we don't have been the same amount of prison. But yes, there's notorious people. Uh, Charles Bronson, um, he's been married twice in prison. Oof. His first wife died, did die, but uh, not through him or anything, because he yeah. won't get out of prison because he's on a life tariff. But um, I, in fact, he he um, has killed more in prison than he, he didn't go in for any killing. He well, actually went in for a lesser effect. I guess you got it. Why, why, no, won't get why worry? Why worry you? So what yeah. is a case that yeah. has stuck with you the most that, you know, you will always either remember in a good way or a positive way, but one that if you were to like, any, it was, if you were to talk to anybody about a case, this would be like the number one thing because it made an impact or you felt good about how it ended or. Um. Well, I mean, the one that was my turning point that um, really made me stop working on the outside, say, on the outside, I was working, obviously, like most people, you start working within the police, you start working with probation and things like this. But uh, my turning point particularly was Victoria Climbier, and uh, it was a horrendous, it was a child killing in London, but it was absolutely a gruesome killing of this, this young girl by her aunt and her aunt boyfriend. Mm-hmm. And that yeah, just dealing with the actual effects of the killing of the child. I had always found it difficult to deal with the victim of a killing, a child killing. Um, but that was so horrendous that I just thought, no. You know, working with the other side, it, it gave me my security, my, my boundaries that, you know, when I, I, I work with them when they're incarcerated, uh, I know who they are, I know what they've done, I can imagine what a two-year-old or a ten-year-old or whoever a victim is, but I don't actually have to deal with the victim. So it was, it was my safeguard. Yeah. Mm, makes sense. It does make a lot of sense because if you had to deal with the you know victims and if you knew them ahead of time, even, oh my God, you, you know. That's having, a huge emotional yeah. toll. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, you know, I take that off because there's people obviously that are working the other side and, yeah, incredible job they do. Uh, I ju- I just found that you know, that that was too too much for me personally. That I needed to be you know, on on the other side. Yeah, and you can you can focus on why and how not not necessarily how, but why and what caused. Yeah, and and also I must I must admit I mean detection rates are getting so much better because when you think about the historic cases they went on for years. Yeah. You know, when we talk about Shipburner and like when we're talking about Rose West and and Fred West and, you know, a lot of your cases, they went on for decades. Mm-hmm. Whereas now they are, the detection rate is getting much quicker at, at solving these cases because the, the knowledge and the understanding, whereas before they weren't putting the pieces of the jigsaw together. Well, now we have the, you know, we got the database. There's a, they put the database together 
for the task force for the highway killings. Mm-hmm. And so now yeah. they, the police, local police can go to the highway killings and find they put them, the, the, for lack of a better term, modus operandi, right? Mo, yeah. Yeah. They, for lack of, they can go and, and put those terms in and then find somebody across the United States who's been killed in this very similar manner. And then they contact that jurisdiction so we can catch people now. And uh, it's, yeah. but, you know, in 1980, it ain't, that wasn't going to happen. Well, think of BTK and yeah. here, how long he went around doing his thing. And he t- it took a computer this, a computer it, to catch him. Yeah, I mean, it's... No, what caught BTK was BTK. Yeah, it was BTK, more BTK or less. BTK caught disc. himself. A disc. Yeah. And they did computer forensics. It's just... He's yeah. an idiot. Well, they all are technically, yeah. but, you know, it's just, it's like, man, you know... Whew. Go ahead. I was just saying, they get, they get a bit blase. They get, you know... Uh, they get used to what they're doing and think that this is where the grandiose personality comes in. You know, I'm too good to get caught. Do you think it's that they feel like they're good, too good to get caught or they're not getting enough, the, the same amount of attention? It depends. I mean, it depends on the psyche of the, of the person, but most people don't want to be caught. You know, to me, the, the, the prisons are full of people that are sorry, but they're sorry they got caught. Because right. if they didn't get yeah. caught, they'd still be doing what they were doing. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with that. Because they were, they, usually when you get caught, it's not because you've done it one time in your life. It's because you've done it four or five times and you screwed up somewhere and got caught this time. Yeah, I mean, there, there is there is a marked difference. I mean, you you sort of mentioned about mass murderers. I mean, for us, we have a distinction. Normally, a mass murder is somebody that kills as many people as they can in one hit. Okay. Whereas a serial killer is two or more people at different times, but using uh, similar methods. I, I suppose that's true here too. I was sometimes I speak out the side of my head. It just happens. So when was the term serial killer, I guess, coined? Wasn't it, I'm thinking it wasn't it, what, late 70s, early 80s? I mean, for us, we had like, oh, we had Dahmer and then we had, um, what's Mr. Clown Man? Um, uh, 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 what's, his name escapes me. Uh, yeah, Gacy, yeah. Gacy. Gacy. Yeah, Gacy is so funny yeah. because he had his picture taken with the president's wife. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Carter's wife. He has. There's a picture. But again, that that's the you know the grandiose per, per, you know person. They want to be seen as important and with important people. Well, what about people like? And if we go back to the Netflix series, which is about the beginning in the United States, because I can't speak to the UK because I don't know or the England. Um, uh. uh What's the name of that series we watched? Mindhunter. Mindhunter, yeah. Yeah. What was the the one guy that they kept coming to? Uh, Kemper. Kemper. Yeah, Edward Kemper. Uh, a guy like that, he didn't want to be grandiose about it. He just really had a problem with his mother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would say but then he, still, he still wanted respect. I think he still he was still looking for respect that yeah. he wasn't getting. There. Well, didn't he like take her vocal cords out and put them in the garbage disposal or something like yeah, that? He did. <laughs> That's yeah. crazy. So, as, 
And I guess you see crime killers like that in the UK as well. Or England. Oh, well, I mean, is you it know, England they, or they, the UK? Which all... one? Sorry, I missed that one. Which one should I say, England or UK? Uh, the, well, the United Kingdom is England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, and all the islands. So UK. In, uh, well, but in, in fact, our legal system is different because England and Wales are together, and Scotland has a different yeah. uh, justice system. Oh. So their laws are actually different to us. Sorry I, about the tangent. I did not know that. I learned something. That's very interesting. Yeah. Now, the, 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 the Scottish. British uh, judicial system is very different to the British, uh, to the English and Welsh. Just hope they still don't draw and quarter people. That's all I can say. Yeah, no, no. Not, not so much. Sorry, not very much. <laughs> so, would you say Scotland's like is one of them more strict, or is they just have different rules for what someone's going to be a life in prison, mm -hmm. or what did you call it, a one tariff? Tariff. tariff. I think of tariff yeah, as something uh, totally well, different. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> so I'm, I'm learning something. So they a full life tariff, yeah. They um, they they still have it. Um, they don't have. They don't identify so much with the mental um, mental um, insanity crimes. Like uh, for example, Ian Brady, he was uh, he was um, identified as criminally insane. So he was held under the Mental Health Act as well as his his life sentence for the murders. But um, when he went on hunger strike, because he was held under the Mental Health Act, he was forcibly fed because they have a duty of care. Whereas if a prisoner went on a hunger strike, they wouldn't be forcibly fed because the duty of care doesn't run to that. So at one point he was trying to get sent, because he was Scottish, he was born in Glasgow. So he was trying to get sent to a Scottish prison because they would not force feed him. Whereas he, he obviously he didn't win it, so he stayed in the UK prisons. So system. It there's different types of serial killers, and and this is what I was asking before I went off on the stupid tangent that I did because I'm that way. That's what I do, dumb stuff. Anyway, um, we have, you know, you've got different types of serial killers, right? You got the ones like Kemper, who are killing because of an emotional disturbance, and then. I, I forget the name of the the English one that she uh, equated to Dahmer. I forget his name, but and then he's doing it for somewhat different reasons. It, it, are there different levels, different types of serial killers? They do, they do act for di uh, different reasons, uh, and they they work in different ways because of like everybody else. So they have different needs, different desires. Um, some are, um, if you're talking about a, se a sexual predator, then very often the grooming is more important to them. You know, a kill is actually, well, because I actually don't know what to do with them now. Uh, you know, this is why when they're discarded, they're, they're in a shallow grave or they're just literally discarded by the side because well, I, I just don't know what to do with them now. They're surplus to requirements. I mean, it's not to sound flippant, but this is sort of their their mindset. Yeah. So their their grooming and their use of that for the for a sexual act is where they need. But then it's like, well, I don't know what to do with you now. Right. Um, so a, a sexual predator 
they they usually get more gratification from the grooming and the sexual act than the killing. The killing is just a surplus because they actually don't know what to do with the person afterwards. So it's just like so uh, so surplus. So that's where you get a, the body is discarded. Um, very publicly sometimes or just in a very shallow grave because it's just literally, I don't know what to do with you, you you're just gone. Whereas yeah. if you've got somebody who's killing for, and they enjoy the killing and the torturing and the trophies, then it's a different mindset. And a serial killer is a different mindset to a killer. Really? Because a killer... A, 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 I personally think we are all capable of killing yes. at, at one point. You know, if all it's, it's a bit like opening a safe. If all the clicks are there at the right yeah. time, like that final choice that you either do or you walk away. And I think we've all been in situations where we've been pushed or angry and we've got to that point where you turn and walk away. Yeah. Um, I, I personally do think that we've, we've all got the capacity, but it's, then it, it's that last choice. But we better have the capacity, otherwise it's our species is doomed <laughs> because oh, yeah. animals will get us. I mean, there, there are people in prison that when you listen to them and you hear their stories, that you think, but for the grace of God. You know, there, there, there are some people that you, Belong you, you in know. Prison. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's some guys in some guys in North Carolina, I think it was, and they just killed people because they wanted to, and they fed them to their yeah. pigs, and and they're like, ah, I don't care, and they kill people in front of other people, and be like, say the thing at you, and so everybody kept it on the down low, and they just didn't care, they were just doing whatever they wanted, and it wasn't like a serial killer, it was these people got in their way, or they wanted yeah. something from them. And I think that is a different mindset than serial killers because it was like their entire family was in on it. Yeah, and especially you know, they're in for different reasons. Maybe they're they're scared. If you know, am I go, if I say anything, am I going to be the next person that's there? Yeah. So again, you know, there you're talking about you know, a different ideology that you know and especially if this is something that's gone on through generations and the children are brought up in this you know, yeah they don't see what's captive. wrong with it yeah this is a totally yeah. different question but i'm curious i'm a nurse and i always get slightly um i don't want to say irritated when people come to me and think they're experts because they've read something on webmd <laughs> And they're not always right. So for you being the expert at what you do, do you ever get kind of upset at certain things on the internet or certain TV shows or things like that, that totally have it wrong based upon what you know and have experienced? Yeah. The, the, the thing I always say at the beginning of all, all my talks is, you know, I just wish that we could solve every single, you know, horrific crime and murder Within sixty minutes or ninety minutes, yeah. you know, just <laughs> it's true. The world that you, you, know? you would end up canceling the show forty-eight hours. Yeah, the first forty-eight. Yeah. They would, it's like they would have nothing then. Because you know, you see people that like go on the internet and Google narcissism or sociopath and all this and they're stuff. They're always wrong, aren't and they? And they think like you know, with you know, the internet, you got to be real careful. Not everything on there is correct, but they feel like they're the expert because they've read something off. Everybody's a narcissist these days. Have live, you noticed? Live well today website. Yeah. So, but I was, have you noticed that though? Everybody's a narcissist now. 
They label everyone a narcissist. That seems so, to be the thing here, yeah. 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 I, I mean, society is getting more, much more egoistic. I don't know if you, you know, you're oh, yeah. finding, as we said earlier about, you know, how, how the kids are getting more isolated, that they're not, you know, conversation is a dying art. Uh, you know, trying to get you know, people to actually sit around the table and talk anymore is, is quite quite difficult. Even even within professions, uh, it's quite difficult to actually get people in the same room at the same time to talk to each other. Well, and and in, in American news culture, um, I I did uh, a stint in the Ameri- in for working for a, 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 a affiliate of ABC News, and all you see is people on one side yelling and screaming about something. And as soon as someone else walks in and says, I have a slightly different opinion that's not wrong or degrading, but it's different. They immediately shut them down and call them names and turn them off. And it's not fair. And I think we're teaching people through our entertainment that it's one way or the highway. Uh, And I, and I think that goes to, when people think this is the way it's supposed to be, we've I, I felt for years that we've turned a corner and the subjugation that we experienced in the 40s and 50s of people who didn't fit the pattern is now flipped it on its ear and anyone that doesn't fit the pattern of whatever policy is going on now, we now have, um, we, you know, they're, they're completely wrong and evil. And we've, we're just doing the same things we were doing in the fifties. It's just on the opposite side of the coin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, society has changed. Um, I don't know. I say I can't speak for living there, but you know, definitely, sort of within the UK, uh, the family unit is a very different unit to what it used to be. Same here. You know, people, people, you know. What was was it correct to to be married and stay in a marriage and be unhappy, or is it better that now you you know you have the means to leave a marriage and you know go on to have a life? But then, if you have a, a family that has got three or four different fathers, and you know, does it impact on the on the children? Yes, it does. You know, is so are they all good moves forward, or are they bad moves? And, you know, I'm, I'm not. I'm playing devil's advocate yeah. here. I'm not saying that one's better than the other. But uh, where we've changed, you know, the single parent families, and there is absolutely no way in this world that one parent is as effective as two parents. I mean, my my husband died when my daughter was 15, and I know that you know she can really went off the rails, and you know we we struggled for for years because of you know. La- losing, you know, like two wheels off that wagon, and yeah. she, she and she fell out the wagon, you know, because one parent cannot be the same as two parents. Well, it's just same as I, I agree with that. It doesn't matter if it's man or woman. If you know you're a team and you're working on stuff, that makes it so much easier than if you're just trying to do it by yourself. I mean, no matter what you're doing, if there's a team of people that have the same goal in mind, it's so much easier to get with get things done. I think you know, the we have a much uh, lower tolerance threshold now. You know, we used to write letters and send a letter, and it would take a week to get there. Right, and then they take a 
other days to answer, then you get a letter back. And we would think that was totally normal. Now, if you go on the internet and that little wheel's going around and you've got to wait 30 seconds, you're like, oh, my goodness. You know? Why haven't you responded to my text? I sent it over a minute ago. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> and so... Yeah, our frustration level uh, has dropped incredibly. You know, getting on those phone calls and they're playing this stupid music to you, and you're like, really? (laughs) A phone call like this would never have even been considered. You know, I can remember the time that if we we had family in Australia and the States, but it, it was like Christmas and special birthdays that all the family got around and made one quick phone call and that was it you know yeah so talk for 10 minutes and it, you couldn't afford to talk on. for longer than that because it cost money yeah. yeah whereas now you know we're talking right across the world and it doesn't cost us anything well it does it electricity so but yeah, yeah but yeah and, and even five years ago what we're doing right now would be impossible yeah. true yeah there's no way that I could do this from a kitchen table out of a out of a box that's a little bigger than a shoebox and a computer. If even five years ago, the tech didn't exist to be able to pull this off. Um, well, I'll, I'll disagree on that one because I was actually, um, I don't know if you've heard of uh, Ed Tate, but he's part of the National Speaking Association. And he was one of one of my coaches that I work with for that. And I was in the Middle East. And we were using Zoom. Now, nobody else had heard of Zoom. Right. right? But we, we were using Zoom because in Saudi, they scramble all of the, the social medias. Yeah. Um, they just pull the plug at times. So, and Zoom, because it was so insignificant, everybody, yeah, they didn't bother about it. So we were using Zoom to, to communicate like, like this. So it's one of the things I always wish I'd taken shares out in. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I've got a, you know, I'm working off a board. We've got two high-end microphones that, that really work really. They're production-level microphones. And, it's, and I, I can put it in my car and go anywhere in the world and have a, have a high-end production studio. All I need to do is add a camera, which since we don't record video because of bandwidth uh, limitations, uh, where Andrea is when I come out here, we just keep it all audio. But I, at my work, what I do for a living is I work for a company that makes telescopes and binoculars, and we broadcast live 24-7. And five years ago, you would have to buy a million-dollar board to be able to do it. It's crazy. So who knows what the future is going to hold? And it's, but you're right. We're, we're isolated but not isolated. And some for some reason... All we seem to get as input these days is the high emotional stuff because no one has time to sit back and have a conversation for anything that's maybe not that interesting, but you're talking to the person, you're growing, you're making a connection. And I guess it's just not as important to the cultures as it used to be. But also, I mean, the Internet has been such an amazing tool um, globally, but it has also led to underground networks of groups of people that before would find it quite difficult to communicate yeah. as easy their communications to. Red pill, black so, pill guys is one. They were they didn't yeah. even have an organization before uh, before the internet. And black pill, red pill guys are the people. The black pill guys are the worst. 
but they believe that men should forego even having a relationship with a woman because a woman's terrible. Uh, and it's not all like that. Some of the guys don't feel exactly that way, but that's the sentiment you get out of it when you delve into it just a touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, especially with the, the sex offenders and yeah. paedophiles like this. You know, we ha- we have a whole new world of possible offenses. Well, and uh, the, from- the trouble about it is too is somebody could hack your computer, drop those pictures on there, and it would look like you did it. Yeah. And who knows if you actually did it or not? And prove that. Good luck. The police it. departments right. don't have that kind of tech person sitting there that can figure that out. That's scary, if you think about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, sort of um, identification fraud now is is big business. Yes. You know, there, there's lots of, of money and value in that. Um, so is there – so you really haven't seen any demarcation between an American or an English or U.K. Uh, person who – Ser- that who, who who has documented being a, sil- a serial killer? They're they're all their motivations are all different, but rooted maybe just somewhat general area. Yeah, I mean, yeah. When you look at them, um, um, it goes across ages. It goes across intellect. It goes across um, color, creed, background. Because there, there is no one, it'd be nice if, if it was, wouldn't it? Because you could yeah. just have a blueprint and say, right, this is the person, pinpoint them, this is, you know. But unfortunately, they're not. And, you know, I, you know talking about being in the medical field, we've had some horrific um, ki- killers in the medical field. Oh, yeah. you know, Dr. Oh. Shipman, Lee, and Beverly Allett, you know, she was killing children. She's a oh. nurse. Oh, gosh. So, you know, do you think there's a psychological – so a lot of times when you're hired for a company these days, they want you – and they, they kind of outlawed this a little bit over the past 15 years. But you'd go in and you'd have to take a psychological test before they'd even hire you. What, was there any basis in that that was real or is, was it all just huckster stuff? I think, you know, depending what they were looking for. Uh, because again, it depends on. Even now, it depends on the ethos, or ethos of the company. If you've got a company that has a quick turnover in staff and they've got short-term um, work culture um, goals, then the narcissistic and the, uh, the, all the personality traits will do very well. They will climb the ladder very quickly. They'll get results and they move on. But if you've got a company that's looking at ethical, long-term uh, stability, then they're going to be looking at difference in their workers. Yeah, it's and I think yeah, that's that that and there's a lot of business that works very quickly on turnover, and those those businesses will attract those those personalities. You know, again, it. When you're looking in in the care profession, again, they're not paid very well, so it's unlike it's not as likely to get the the psychopathic traits or within the workers, but you still do well, because and- again, you get empowered by you know b- being in, in charge of vulnerable people. So, if you find yourself 
faced with someone who you feel who I, if I found myself face to face with someone who I may feel meets the criteria to be totally deadly scared of and it's like, oh my God, this guy's so creepy. Would I normally be right? Or would that be something that I don't know enough about it to be able to make that judgment? Right. Normally, your gut instincts are pretty spot on. It's when we don't listen to them that becomes the instinct. And they will always try and corrupt. And if they can't coerce, they will bully. You know. So the thing is, at the end of the day, the value of yourself. If you've got a good self-value, then it's it's easier to say, I'm better being out of this. You know, if you can take it to uh, up to bosses and talk to them, but if nothing's been done, the person that you need to be more protective of is yourself. Because I think an awful lot of people have been in jobs too long or they've been in relationships too long. They've seen the writing on the wall. They've known things were getting bad and they've actually been there and had their health deteriorate before they've actually done something about it. All right. So is there, Andrea, is there any, uh, you got a list of questions, anything we missed? No, I guess for me, it's like, bless you for trying to learn all this stuff, because it sounds like every case is unique and different. I don't know how you can keep it all straight, but I'm glad there's somebody out there that can. I I think it just comes with time, because there's so much in the, the textbooks, but it's like everybody, you know, everybody you meet is different. We all have our idiosyncrasies. We all have, you know, and also, you know, when we're talking about the hidden disabilities, it's easy to um, put people on the, the spectrums when they don't deserve it. So, or, so we're know, running a little bit of video here. It's between uh, our guest and, and us. And we're over here laughing. And so I could hear her going, what? Wait, wait, why are they laughing? We have a cat that will not shut up. I am so sorry. Poor kitty. He he wants outside so bad. Hang on. You guys keep talking. I'm going to let him out. So, yeah, we're we're cracking up because you're trying to talk about a serious subject and there's a cat over here going, hey, let me out. (laughs) You're not going to catch him. Oh, you got him. Good. Throw him out. Get out of here, you butthead. (laughs) Throw him out the door. Uh, sorry about that. So uh, I could hear her. I could hear her watching the camera and going, "What the hell is going on?" I because the little pauses every now and again, and I was like, "I better just explain to her what's happening." God love him. He's a sweet little cat, and he likes to be outside. And we've been, you know, trying to like. like are they laughing at me? I'm not saying anything. Funny. Hold down the fort, so it's like, cat, stop. <laughs> This poor woman from England's going to be like, what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) I am super excited to actually get to listen to your lectures and read your books. Where can we find your books? Uh, On Amazon. Do you sell them directly off of your website? Because sometimes you you make more money if you sell them directly off your website. Uh, usually I do through Amazon because it, it's uh, it's just easy. Yeah, you don't have to deal with it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't blame you. But no, I'm yeah. I was super excited when um, Paul booked you because I've always wanted to talk to someone 
who has this knowledge because it's always been something that I wanted to get into my career a long time ago, but it just never fell into my lap. Nursing. I want to know more about the English serial killers. I now. do too. There's I'm, no one out there do covering them on, on an no, American co- podcast. No, I want to like research some of these people, and I just I've always find it fascinating and interesting to know what made them, what made their mind tick. Just for me, it'd be totally baffling to do half the stuff they've done. But just think, like, what made you who you are, and what happened? Because I deal with kids in foster care here. Mm-hmm. And um, I have this big thing of making sure that, you know, my job is to be an advocate for them. So I'm always trying to make them feel safe and they can talk to me and try to advocate for them in court. But I can't help her with this because I would just go find the parrot and just be like, oh, now I'm in jail with Dahmer because I killed that son bitch. So, you know, for me, it's always like I don't want to ever see that in those little kids. But at the same time, I'm hoping that they get what they need. And if I can be a that stick to help them get better. It's, it's good for me, but I always want to like, look at the people that are, we were, we're taught to look for excessive bedwetting, look for hurting animals, look for antisocial type personality traits to kind of tell the therapist so we can kind of help them deal with their trauma early. So well, getting a chance to talk with you and learning about some of this stuff has been an absolute treat and I'm can't wait to read your books. Oh, thank you. No, it'd be super. I really enjoyed it. And uh, maybe that's something we could because um, I, was, I was actually just looking at starting a new podcast again. I, I put my podcast on hold because uh, I, I was doing one before learning from life. That's still about, but I haven't carried on with that. So I am starting looking at doing a new one. But, uh, yeah, welcome to my world, yeah. which is all about serial killers, uh, psychopaths, murderers, and sex offenders. So well, we really enjoy consuming it. It's just we don't know. We, we've never – true crime – it can be tough because you have to know all the details and you still have to, it, it's there's two or three different types of podcasts out there. And I enjoy the interview. I enjoy just sitting here talking and blabbering about stuff because it's just more interesting. So I, we just chose to go down there. We, we thought about true crime stuff, but it's like, I don't know if I could keep up with true crime because I got to do all that research. I'm busy. You know, well, if you start a podcast, I'll definitely listen. I love I love this stuff. I can give you some advice on the equipment or something if you want to up your game a little bit. It's not that expensive anymore. It's actually gotten quite cheap, believe it or not. Fabulous. Yeah, that'd be great. I I did have I haven't bought it with me in Spain, but I have got um, mic and lights and everything in. um, In in England. Yeah, Uh, I haven't. I haven't brought them with me here. Well, yet. and we're, you know, we're supposed to be doing video, but Andrea and I do this for fun. We do this because we're actually interested in what you're having to say, and if we make money on it, whatever. We, that's not our plan. That's not what we're in it for. We, we, we are genuinely curious about what you guys got going on when we talk to you. That'd be great. I've really enjoyed it. And thank you very much for the opportunity. All right. Um, so I have an interview coming up with, um, Haley Zega. So Haley Zega was lost in the Ozark National, no, it was the Buffalo National Forest, I think it was, for 52 hours. And she and her father and I, we talk about the experience, and it's going to be a slightly different format, so it's going to actually be pretty cool. Um, but we got that coming up in our next podcast. And also, um, I haven't decided which is I'm going to put first. Am I going to put the New York City cop that's the detective? He was in the auto crimes. Which one do you think is better, Andrea? 
Mm, I don't know. They're all interesting. Yeah. So I got the auto crime guy, which we're doing an interview on next week. And then I've got the one with Zega uh, that's in the in the bag. I just got to cut it up because I'm making something special out of it. And I, I, boy, I tell you, it's a couple of interesting podcasts. And especially after this one, I mean, I enjoy talking about this kind of stuff. The, uh, you know, the, the difference is know that we're all human and it doesn't make any difference whether we're born in America, Uganda or China. We're all actually the same. And our stuff is always, you know, it, it, our, our mental issues aren't just in our head. There are other people out there that have the same issues that we do. And we're not alone yeah. in any of this, actually. But I appreciate you being on. And I guess any more questions or anything you want to leave us with before we go? Yeah, well, thank you, Paul and Andrea. I really enjoyed being with you. And it's been great to talk to you and know about what's uh, your side of the pond as well. So that's been really interesting. But, yeah, I think that's a good point Andrea made as well, that about people seeing the red flags but actually looking for them and acting on them when you do see them because they are there but we like to make excuses for them and we like to sort of think, oh, you know, later on, oh, well, yeah, we did see that, but we didn't think about it. So if you think about it and act on the time, then maybe some things can change. And you might save a life. True. You might save lives. I mean, you know, I know over there is a little bit different, but we haven't had uh, a, a major serial killer here for several years. That's not to say there's not already people out there already. They reckon that there's about you know 25 active in the states at any time, and you know three or four here at any time that just haven't been caught yet. Yep. So you might be able to see that person, but you're ignoring the uh, the traits. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, cool, and I appreciate it being on. And I guess. Um... What do you think, Andrea? I think we're good, and I'm gonna. I guess if you do, you have a website or something you might want to leave us with for the listeners who might want to look up on some of your um, upcoming education or anything like that. Everything for me is very simple. Is in my name, so just Linda Say. So if you're looking on LinkedIn or Facebook or website or Instagram for our Twitter, American audience, can you spell that for us? It's just L I N D A S A G E. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. I definitely will be looking you up. Cool. I have. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. And, we'll, you know, we've got a couple of good things coming up. So until then, bye. Bye. bye.